Hello, and welcome to Women With Books. I'm Lindsay Emery, author and hugely successful podcast host. We have a tremendous guest for you today. She is debut author Jasmine Guillory, author of The Wedding Date. I know. Right now, you're like, I think I've heard of that book. And you probably have because it is everywhere. It is mentioned everywhere. Everyone's going to be reading this book. Um, it is one of those, I think I mentioned it on my blog recently, it is one of those romance slash women's fiction crossovers that is going to be all the trend in 2018 and in the future. So um, it's definitely what people are wanting to read these days. I mentioned in the interview, uh, but I wanted to go in a little bit more here. So I first heard about Jasmine's book, um, I think it was like maybe in October or November of 2017. Um, I was listening to an NPR podcast and someone on there said, oh, and I have this friend coming out with this book. Um, it's a romance. Ha ha ha. No one on NPR ever mentions romance. And they mentioned it. So I think I was waiting for my kid at soccer. And I thought, huh, debut author I haven't heard of. It's mentioned on NPR. And I immediately looked it up on Amazon. Love the cover. Uh, we're going to keep talking about how cute the cover is. But once you look it up, you're going to you're going to love it, too. Um, and I thought, great. It's a debut author. I love hearing about debut authors. Um, it's one of my missions on the show is to give um, airspace to debut authors so they can have a chance to find an audience. And I thought, ah, perfect. And I think I reached out to Jasmine and she said, well, let's do it a little closer to um, the release date. And so, I mean, we've had this in the works for a few months. And then as the months go by, um, like I said, she's popping up everywhere like best of lists all the major reviewers are talking about it and I'm I started thinking about the other debut authors that I've had on the show Alexis Daria and uh, Kate Claiborne and both of them uh, I've mentioned it on my Facebook page both of them have been nominated for all sorts of awards and put on the the best of lists for 2017 and I'm starting to think now that a couple things might be true here. One, I might have amazing intuition and somehow pick only debut authors who are clearly going to be hugely, hugely successful. Or two, something about this podcast vaults debut authors into this hugely successful book launch. Or as uh, my, poli -sci prof my, my poli sci professor in college used to say, both may be true. Yes, both of those things may be true. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's a great interview. It's a great book. I did get to read it already. Thank you uh, to uh, Jasmine's Publishers. Um, but here's the deal. I still need to find more debut authors to talk to because I don't know who I don't know. Um, and I can't keep track. I'm sorry. Out there. I can't keep track of every book in the universe that's about to come out uh, this year. So um, I'm going to ask again if you, you or someone you love is a debut author of a book uh, this year. If that book is for, by, or about women, please let me know about them. I'd um, love to look into it and, and feature them if I can. I, I just can't know every single one, but I have a feeling that more amazing debut authors are coming 
this way because you know like I said I'm it's either me or my intuition I'm something about the power here I've got it um, so like I said send me that information about a debut author that you know is coming up send it to me on Facebook email me or call the number in the show notes speaking of the show notes some of you will remember uh, in season one I would put every single book that was mentioned on the podcast in the show notes. And I would put links to Amazon and um, iBooks, and I would also put all that information on my website. As I said in my uh, year-end episode, I had to stop doing that. It took me a tremendous amount of time. Um, And to be honest, I mean, I I could track the links. No one was really using it, which was disappointing, but um, that's fine, cool. You guys look up books some other way. I don't know how. Um, but I still feel it was very important to me to to curate those lists because, um, you know, people are coming on. They are taking their time. I want to spread the word. They want to spread the word. We want everyone to read these books. So I still felt like it was important to put that out there. So I was trying to figure out the best way. And for right now, this is what I'm doing. And I'm putting a link in the show notes. I... Um, started a bookshelf on my Goodreads profile, and it's going to only have um, the books that are recommended on this show. So um, I'll put the, that link. So I guess the pro con is I still do the list, but it doesn't take me as long because I'm not looking up every single buy link for them. Um, th- hopefully that's already been done if the book is in Goodreads. So all you have to do is just click on my list. Um, I'm still putting that list out there in the world. People can still find the uh, books that we recommend um, because sometimes it goes real fast. I get it. You hear a name, you're like, oh, I don't know what that is, but I know that all I have to do is click on the link and I can find that book. So we're going to see how that works. Y'all let me know if that is a good idea or if you want it done some other way. <laughs> and at the end of this, I will be popping Jasmine Guillory's book, The Wedding Date, up onto that shelf. So you can go immediately, click, 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 get it, because I know you're going to want to after you hear this interview. Welcome to my guest tonight, and I am so excited to have her, Jasmine Guillory. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate you have had such a busy promo schedule that um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to have you on and to talk about your new book. Um, I love having debut authors on the podcast. It was one of my things I wanted to do when I started this because I really wanted to give them like a leg up and help them find readers. But, um, girl, I heard about your book on NPR. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I've definitely, I've had a few friends in high places, luckily, who've gotten the word out. (laughs) Seriously. And I'm like... I think I did hear it on an NPR podcast, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a really good book. I'm going to contact her to be on the podcast, because I think maybe you do have a friend on it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then soon enough, the next couple of months, I'm like, dang, everyone's talking about this book. I mean, you know, one thing that I have realized during this process is I'm very lucky that I made friends with librarians years ago, because nobody, like tries to sell your book to the whole world like librarians. <laughs> so that, that is a good yeah. tip. Mm-hmm. You are having the dream debut. And how does it feel? How are you feeling about release week coming up? You know, it, 
I veer back and forth between being really excited and basically wanting to throw up at every minute. Um, and today I went through like both of those multiple times a day. Um, so I guess we'll see how I feel every day <laughs> until the book comes out. Um, but that's basically like, you know, every time I get an email from someone, I get excited. And then I think, oh, wow, people are really going to start reading my book. That's terrifying. Um, especially after, <laughs> after, you know, because for the first while I worked on it, I was the only one who read it. And then, you know, the circle of people who got read it, read it got bigger and bigger, but they were all generally people who were rooting for me. And now it's just going to be out there in the world. So that'll be a new experience. <laughs> right. It's because it's first just your baby and then it's like your team. You yes, know, exactly. Either your closest friends and family and then your agent and then your editor, but everyone loves it because they love you and they love your voice and there's a reason why they're working with you and then uh yeah the public but yeah, i don't yeah. think you need to worry about it well <laughs> thank everyone you is fingers crossed book. um i haven't mentioned the book name yet i apologize it is the wedding date the if wedding anyone date, out there yeah. doesn't know um and it has the cutest cover that's like the first thing that everyone has talked about when i say hey guess who i'm interviewing oh thank you um, i love the cover and uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit about it because thank you to your publisher. They um, let me have a, a copy of it oh, so yay. we can talk about it. But with all this buzz and all this publicity, what's has some, what's the most amazing or craziest thing about your debut experience so far? You know, I mean, I think part of it is just like how how kind more senior writers have been to me. Um, I've had like some writers who we had followed each other on Twitter for a while, but you know, we didn't really know each other who just like sent me messages saying, if you have any questions about this, um, let me know one, one writer I had, we were, you know, we were messaging each other about something and she'd asked me one question and I'd said, well, you know, I'm a debut. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. And she was like, call me. And we had a 20 minute conversation where she gave me advice, it, you know, and I think it's just been amazing to see how kind people are um, and how giving they are of their time and their advice. Um, and that that's been just really lovely. It, I think the writer community is doesn't get enough uh, appreciation for exactly that. So I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Everything I learned, I learned from like just seeing other writers do it and answering questions and asking people questions. And it's been, it, people have just been so great. Well, soon enough, this will be all behind you and you'll be experienced person lifting a hand out to the next person. I... Oh, well, I'm thrilled to be able to do so. Well, tell us about the wedding date. Um, where did you get the idea or tell us a little bit about it? So the wedding date begins with um, two people who get stuck in an elevator together in a hotel in San Francisco, um, Alexa Monroe and uh, Drew, who is there in town in San Francisco to be in his ex-girlfriend's wedding. And he convinces Alexa to be his wedding date. Um, so that's the beginning of the book. I, You know, it's funny. I got the idea kind of in spurts um over a few months it was during a period where I hadn't I had sort of been writing a bunch um in the years before that and then I had taken a little break from writing 
Um, and then I sort of slowly got the idea and I thought it through, but I wasn't quite ready to sit down and write yet. Um, and then I like kind of scribbled it down, but I still quite wasn't ready to start it. And then I just got a push from a friend one day and then started writing the book. Um, but it, I think lots of little things came together. I start, th thought of the hotel because a friend of mine had just come to visit and had stayed at that hotel because she had gone to a wedding at that hotel. So that, you know, that's sort of where that part came from. And then Alexa and Drew came to me at, at different times. Um, but it has been interesting to see kind of how that kind of long process became a book. Yeah. Um, have you ever been stuck in an elevator? I never have. No, but my, it's funny. My mom, unfortunately, has a few times and she is claustrophobic. I am not as well, not as much as she is. So I think maybe that's where a little bit of that idea came from. <laughs> Would would it help her if Dr. Drew was in the elevator? I mean, I think that would probably help. <laughs> All right. So not only does the book start with this woman and man stuck in an elevator, but they are sharing cheese and crackers. And that happens to be one of my favorite snacks. And so it, I was wondering it's the best your, snack. Yeah. It is the best snack. I was wondering what your favorite combo of cheese and crackers is. Oh, that's a great question. I know. No well, one else on NPR is asking you yes, these questions. I am um, <laughs> a big fan of like very creamy and kind of stinky breeze. Um, and so there are a few different cheeses that I really like. There's a Brie Lake cheese that's from a, um, a dairy in Northern California that's called Red Hawk. And I love it. Um, so that that wouldn't be great in an elevator because, I mean, if it's in your purse for a while, your whole purse is going to smell like cheese. But that's a really great cheese. And there are a few kinds of crackers that I would love to have with it. I do love just your basic, um, like, the Cars Table water crackers are some of my yes. favorites. I feel like they I go with go any cheese. go through a sleeve like that. But <laughs> I also really love... I'm going to get the name wrong. I always call them rainforest crackers, but that's not what they're called. They're like rain something crackers. They they have these, they're, they have come in different flavors and they always have like nuts and fruit in them and they're hard and crunchy and they look like they would be hard and terrible and they're delicious with cheeses. Um, I one of the, I know one of my favorite flavors about. is like fig and olive, which sounds like a weird combination and they're perfect. You know what? I think my sister-in-law brought those to us um, when they came up right before Christmas. And yeah. there was like a rosemary one. Yes, exactly. The first and time I we... had them, someone brought them to a party and I was like, these look gross. Like, what are these? And then I had them with some cheese on them and they were so good. What was amazing was that the kids didn't want to eat them because they looked gross. You know? Exactly. But so kids never sister... want to eat them. It's perfect to bring to a party with kids because kids are not going to try to eat them. So my sister and I, my sister-in-law and I just sat there and we, um, she brought it with uh, goat cheese and like a fig spread. Yeah. They're so good. And with goat we cheese. layered that. Oh yeah. Now I'm hungry. Okay. And they're, I just like, was like, I have to ask her about of, cheese and crackers. Yeah. They're kind of splurge cracker. <laughs> but then every time I buy them, I'm like, these crackers are so good. They're worth the $6 a box that I got them for. Um, yeah, I, she said she got hers at World Market because I was. That, I, I said, know they I've have never them there. Seen these before. Trader Joe's has kind of a knockoff of them. Um, I tend to see them at Whole Foods a lot. Yeah, right. Because people delicious. are going to want to know now. 
Um, so I have a, we kind of talked about the book. What, how would you describe the genre of this book to people who don't know? Because I'll tell you why. I, I've read it. But when I mentioned it to my friends that I was reading it, some people were like, oh, that looks like a great romance. And some people are saying, oh, that looks like a great women's fiction. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to ask the author what she calls this genre. It's interesting because I, you know, it's right. I feel like it's right on the cusp of both genres. Um, I mean, I think like people in publishing don't don't use the term chiclet anymore because I guess it fell out of favor. I was always perfectly happy with it. I love books that were branded that way. Um, so that's how I think of it. But, you know, that's not like a publishing term that people like anymore. Um, I think it works for both people who love romance and people who love women's fiction. I mean, I think women's fiction tends to be, you know, this is a book that um, has both of their perspectives. So that makes it a little bit more romancy. Um, but it also... You know, it has a lot of like character growth and things like that. And then there's also a little bit of sex in it, too. Um, so it goes a little bit of with both. I, I and I agree. That's how I was explaining it, too. Um, and I'm, I was also around the, the chiclet term. But again, you don't really know how people are going to accept it just yeah. because it has some fun chiclety scenes in there you know with the shopping with your best friend and you know that kind of stuff is really fun but then it has the romance and um and it has food which (laughs) was mentioned in uh, a review by Roxane Gay yes (laughs) and I guess I didn't read that until after I read the book so I can't well once I read that I was like yeah that's true but I guess because I get your newsletter and I can tell that you are really into cooking, I think that that must have come out really organically. So Yeah, no, it's funny because a number of people have commented on how much food there is in the book and it really just felt natural to me to have them eat all the time. <laughs> but like once I think about it, they do eat all the time. But that is, I mean, I think for me, when I'm hanging out with my friends, it is often in an occasion where like, one of us brings food or we go out to dinner somewhere or we're always eating. And so that just seemed like a normal way of people interacting. And maybe some people don't always eat, you know, when they're around their friends, but I certainly do. (laughs) Well, and it reminded me of when I was dating my husband that we did have outings around food because that is, I don't know what you, I don't, it's what we did too. I mean, you know, um, it, it tells you a lot about I mean, a person, I mean, some too. people, I think, maybe, like, go on hikes all the time to have outings or for dates and stuff. I don't do that. So <laughs> so I make food for people. But you do have a lot of great recipes in your newsletter. So anybody oh, out there you. who wants some fun recipes, you had one recently with, um, like, a chocolate pound cake or something? Yes. Nigella Lawson's Dent Chocolate Loaf Cake. I love it. I was about to run into my um, kitchen and do that. So that was, um, would have just set my January plans all (laughs) straight. But I definitely want to try that one day. Um, Yeah, so I was thinking, well, first of all, before I get into this, I was going to tell you more about um, kind of some thoughts I had about the book. But I saw on one of your um, bios out there someplace that you had some strong, you said you had some strong feelings about the show Scandal. What were your uh, feelings about that well, show? Well, it's funny because 
my strong feelings about Scandal have, like, really changed a lot. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I used to love it at the beginning. Like, the first two seasons I loved and I watched obsessively. And then it started to get, like, there started to be, I, I can't remember who was the third season or the fourth, but there was, like, torture in every episode, and I could not handle it. Um, I am not a person who likes gory things at all. I don't really like violence in movies or general media and I was and I I never really quite made the decision to stop watching but I like started to dread it every week and then finally just gave up on it (laughs) but then you know once you think you're out they pull you back in then I was in New York in November and I was staying with a friend and she was like oh I'm gonna watch last night's scandal and I was like really you still watch that and then I watched it with her and then I've been watching it ever since (laughs) So, you know, again, Shonda Rhimes knows how to make a good TV show. She knows how to bring you back even when you thought you didn't like it anymore. She really does. And I agree with you about the torture and horror stuff because yeah. today was the day um, that the Oscar nominations came out. So I was starting to make a list of, you know, oh, are there any movies that I want to see before the Oscars? And one of them was Get Out, um, which is a horror movie yeah well you know the suspense? funny thing is i i never watch horror movies but i saw and loved get out but i had to have friends like tell me that certain things were okay first and okay. i saw the first time i saw it i saw it with a friend who had already seen it so she told me like when to stop watching or when to close my eyes um but get out is definitely less like the violence is it's not as scary and violent as i anticipated it to be so it that one was fine for me but it was like just on the edge okay and i, I feel like i can trust you with this yes I feel no like i would not page. i would not veer you astray on this one because i was very worried about like for months i heard about it and i was like sure great i'm not seeing that and then it got such good press that i wanted to see it but i was nervous and then i saw it twice so okay that's because i'm like if i go to this movie and i'm sitting there with my hands over my eyes the whole time um that's going to be kind of a waste of right yeah so (laughs) even if it has good reviews so all right i definitely want to see it though all right so back to the scandal thing so i was sitting there last night trying to think about you know, my feelings about this, the wedding date. And it suddenly hit me that I just really want Alexa to be like in the next Shonda Rhimes show. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, you know, I really love the romance. and I love all the stories and about the, but it's the, the, her job and like how she's, you know, building things and playgrounds and art centers. And I'm like, that would be a really good show. So do I need to talk to Shonda or are you already like working this out? Oh, I mean, you know, that (laughs) if you know someone who knows Shonda, then like, (laughs) let's start getting this together. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, Drew could be in the background. You know, he probably can like hang out with the people. He can go over to with the doctors on Grey's Anatomy. And Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of bring in those those storylines in the background. But, you know, we need um, some of those like mayor. I think I think that would be a good thing. So we're just putting that, in that out in the universe. All right. Let's put it out there. That the wedding day is soon to be a Shonda Rhimes show. Sure. Sort of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of best friends that we don't have um, in your book acknowledgments, you thank Michelle Obama. I do. 
Um, and I hope that me saying that, you know, isn't a big surprise to Michelle Obama. I, I mean, I'm sure she's reading this. I'm sure, and, you know, um, hey, my dream is to get my book in Michelle Obama's hands. So again, if you know someone who knows Michelle, we can send it her putting way. putting this out there in the universe. I mean, it's, it's happening. I feel it. Um, but you thank Michelle Obama because of her imaginary pep talks. Yes. And again, this made me feel like we had a lot in common because I also have um, or imagine imaginary conversations with Michelle Obama. Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I, I, I know, because I worried for a long time talking about this because I didn't want anyone to think I was disrespecting her or, you know, being like saying like she would be friends with me because. <laughs> no, it's just like for me, it's like. What would Michelle Obama tell me right now to make me feel better? Like, what would she tell me to, like, make me go do this well? And she'll, she, you can think of, oh, Michelle would say this. Okay, yes, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm kind of obsessed with her friendship with Prince Harry. Oh, my God. So am I. Oh, I had this feeling. I knew oh. this, Jasmine. I mean, because- first of all, did you see when... He came um, to, like, Chicago Mm -hmm. to an event that the Obama Foundation was doing. And Michelle and Prince Harry surprised some school kids. Mm -hmm. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. So I have a couple of thoughts about all this. One is I want to write, like, a Michelle Obama, Prince Harry, like, investigative Oh my god, yes. Um, series? Like maybe it's for be for kids. And like in their tweets meeting. about each other, they always call each other my friend. It's very cute. And and I want them to like solve crimes, you know, like stolen art. Yeah. I don't know. Stolen crown jewels. Yeah, stolen jewelry. Yeah. And that like Brock's kind of in the back again, Brock's in the background, yeah. making himself a smoothie. Brock and Megan can like hang out and talk about exercise and books and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and Michelle and Harry are like, okay, we're going to take the helicopter now and, and go find some clues. Yeah. But, so that's my first thing. So I, I thought you would be on board with that. Oh, yeah, totally on okay. board. I'm really excited for this. And the other thing is, do you think, and I think maybe other people have talked about this, do you think that Michelle has been giving Harry advice about Meghan Markle? Oh, like absolutely. dating advice and stuff? Like I absolutely think over? that. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I, you can tell if you look at any pictures with Prince Harry and Michelle in them, he is always looking at her with this like look of worship on his face. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in the pictures where um, the Obamas went to Kensington Palace and they had dinner with William and Kate and Harry. And there's this picture of like the five of them standing in front of Kensington Palace and everyone's looking at the camera except for Harry, who's looking at Michelle. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And so I'm certain that he, she was giving him some dating advice from the very beginning. I, I think, think Michelle so just wanted Harry to, like, settle down with a nice woman. And then he found Megan and she was like, you have to make sure that you've got this one. Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to say, like, that Megan is, like, a lesser version of Michelle. Because I'm not really trying to – I'm trying to say, like, you know, he couldn't have Michelle. He couldn't have Michelle. So he found someone enough like Michelle. With the same qualities that he right, admires. exactly. I think so. Yeah. So what do you think um, Michelle's going to wear to the wedding? Oh, I don't know, but I'm really excited have to, to go, see her right? wear a hat. Because <gasps> Michelle, I don't think we've ever seen Michelle wear a hat. Um, and so she'll Not have to wear to, like, one to the wedding. or something, so, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm excited for the hat. It'll be great. 
Yes. I, I used to really follow um, the Michelle Obama style blogs. And oh, now I'm my, like me doing too. like a mental thing right now going, I don't think so. Yeah. Not even, not even at like inauguration or something. Maybe she just doesn't like a hat. But Maybe she, she has to like hats, but she'll have to wear one for the wedding. So I'm excited to see that. And I can just see, I'm sorry, I shouldn't really be talking about that. I just like, I feel like you want to get me. I feel like Barack will probably tease her about the hat. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Okay. It'll be great. Well, you have a number of columns out there and they're listed on your website. And that's where I kind of like got some, I was like, I know she gets me because you have some columns about um, what if Michelle Obama is your girlfriend. Yes. And um, what if, what? Um, John Cho was your boyfriend? Oh, no. <laughs> no, that one um, Nikki wrote. That was also in the toast. Oh, oh okay, 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 okay. Um, but you had another column that I really, really, really connected with. And I wanted to talk to you about it because it was kind of on point with women with books. And it was called I Hate Ma. Oh, yeah. That's one of the first things that I ever wrote for the internet, actually. Really? Yeah, That's I good. pitched Mallory on that, like, right after they started the toast she was like yes absolutely write that for us um so do you want to explain what it is so yes before we get it's into all it? about ma from the little house books and how much i hate her um she's constantly first of all telling laura that she's like not as good as mary that you know and she i mean the thing that fills me with the most fury is when she made Laura give away her doll, her precious, beloved doll, because some other little kid came over and took it from her and wanted to play with it. And Mom was like, Laura, you should be a good girl and give that away. The child had zero possessions except for her beloved doll, and Mom made Laura give it away. Oh, it made me so mm-hmm. mad. And... I guess I hadn't thought about it in a while, but as soon as I read that, I'm like, yes, yes. It encapsulated everything that I probably had felt as a kid, but didn't know how to explain. Because uh, I remember having these weird feelings about Ma from a very young age. Not the TV show one. Yeah, not the TV show. The, the, the books, uh, all, the one in Ma and the books. Yeah. Yes. Um, but did you reread those as an adult and... and and then come to this realization or has this been like stewing in you this whole time? You know, it's funny. I, I'm pretty sure it started stewing me in me as a kid, but I didn't, again, I didn't, I sort of, when you read a lot of kids books, you don't stop and think about it. And then you, when you reread them as an adult, it's like, wait a minute. Why, why didn't anyone? Um, and I do actually frequently reread like my favorite children's books as an adult. Um, I often, I started doing that, uh, well, I mean, I think I've always done that, but I often do it right before bed because it's a very soothing way to fall asleep. Um, and so, but those books I can't because they just make me angry now. You know, I have two daughters and when, so when, as soon as they got to reading age, I started, I was so excited to share these books with them. And I think I gave them Little House on the Prairie and my oldest, um, was just kind of like, meh. I mean, maybe she read one or two and then just kind of gave it up. And I didn't really push her on them so much because there's so much good children's literature out there yeah. right now. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but there were some books when I was tween age called Sunfire Romances. Do you Ooh, have, I don't you think I read these? those. 
they were like romances for teens and tweens, like seriously romances. And they were, um, each one of them had a name on them and they were historicals. And it was like Jessica and Caroline. And oh, I'm... I totally read those. Yes, yeah, you did? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I went through this whole thing. I had a huge collection. My mom, of course, threw them out. So now I've got like these little girls and I go on eBay and I buy up all of them because oh they are going to read these. Yeah. And I give one to my daughter and she really liked it. And then I read it and it was so freaking problematic. <laughs> it was like the one where the girl had been kidnapped by Indians <laughs> I just, I cringed. You were like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I am so sorry. And then I couldn't, I kind of didn't let them read anymore. It's so bad. But I'm like, I don't know what else is in these. Yeah. It's like, you know, that I don't, I don't want you to have this. I had a friend who like did the same thing basically with the Hardy Boys books. And he was reading them to his sons and then basically was like, in the midst of reading was like oh my god I can't believe this is in here and just had to start skipping things <laughs> in the middle because again it was way more problematic than he had remembered right and it's our I mean I'm a, of course it was problematic back then I mean yeah. and Hardy Boys is even older um but you know we didn't look at it with those lenses and as a, I think as young readers we were just you know, trying to absorb everything we could, a lot yeah. of us. Um, but one book that I, I I cling to, and I don't think it's problematic, but you also mentioned in The Wedding Date was Anne of Green Gables. I love Anne of Green Gables. I will love Anne okay. of Green Gables forever. Yeah. You, like, they definitely talk really bad about little French boys a lot, <laughs> which I've noticed in rereads, but... Um, I'm just gonna ignore that for the moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's like a class thing, yeah. maybe. And I don't understand Canada uh, socioeconomic uh, divisions. <laughs> uh, but they are very anti-ginger. So yes, that, that's true. Yes, absolutely. That, that might be. Well, I was very glad to see that um, you also had the same feelings about um, Gilbert smashing. Yes. Not Gilbert smashing. Yes. Yeah. And smashing her thing about Gilbert. But um, yeah, just rereading Anne of Green Gables with my girls. I, is that one of the ones you reread with? Yes, uh, totally. Anne. I have all, I have all of those books on my Kindle so that I can reread them like anywhere I am. Yeah, I gave my daughter my original one. Oh, and wow. And the pages just fell out. And I just ripped out Amazon right then. I'm like, you are getting new ones. You know, it just, it's, yeah. it's the best. That's awesome. Well, Besides those books, was there another book or series that was formative when you were a kid or changed your life? There were a lot of them. Um, I loved the, the all of the shoes books. Um, oh. Ballet shoes, dancing shoes, theater shoes. Like There were a bunch of books about basically like little girls in England who go to, you know, performing art schools. Um, Mm -hmm. and then there were more of them. I mean, a lot of them were about like little girls who were orphans in England or, you know, little groups of siblings. Um, and I loved all of those. I like, I think I, I've owned at least four copies of each one throughout the years as I lose them in moves and then rebuy them. Um, 
And I loved the Betsy Tacey books. I still reread those a lot, too. See, I'm not sure I know those. Who wrote Oh, my who goodness. Those about? Oh, those would be so great for your kids. They And they start... So Betsy Tacey is the first one. They start when when Betsy and Tacey are both five years old. Um, but then they go up through, like, basically, and like, like the last one is Betsy's wedding. Um, so they go up in, until they're in their 20s. Um, and they're delightful because they sort of age with the kids. So they're the first, I think, four books are, you know, f- like, about and for kind of kids who are, like, five through eight. Um, and then there's like a little time jump and then they are in high school. Um, and then there's like the high school and the college books and they're just wonderful. They're, they're set right around, I think they begin like right before the turn of the cent- the turn of the century into, um, 1900 and they're mm-hmm. set like outside of, in, in Minnesota. Um, and they're just, they're about like girls and friendship and, you know, families and stuff and i just love them all they i am looking at them right now i don't know why why did i not get these (laughs) well and they were out of print for a while Uh, it be about i want to say like probably less than 10 years ago they reissued all of the the betsy tacy books um and they've been pretty successful then probably because i've purchased them for so many little girls um but they're they're just fantastic i totally recommend them and that author has a number of other good books too um, i recognize the name i recognize not in that series yeah you sh- you'll you, they would be really Maud fun Hart to read your kids. yeah um was there a book that made you into a writer or made you want to write you know, a, gr- a number of books did. I started wanting to write um, at relatively late in my life, like when I was in my 30s, and I was reading a lot of young adult books at that point. Um, and so it was mostly when I was reading, there were, there were a handful of books that I was reading. Um, I don't know if you've read Anna and the French Kiss um, by yes, Stephanie yeah. Perkins. And I read that book and it felt, and then there's another one, um, Lola and the Girl Next Door. And they felt like, I sort of had this feeling like I could do this. Like I could write a book like this um, when I was reading those. And so those were some of the ones that made me start really thinking about writing. When people ask you for recommendations, what, what do you recommend? Or is there a book you always try to get into people's hands? Oh, I mean, I think I try to really figure out like what what else people like to read because I have so many book recommendations that I want to make sure that, you know, if I give someone something, they're going to really like it. Um, So one of my favorite books that I read last year was Far From the Tree, which is um, a young adult book about three basically three siblings who just meet they were all they all had the same biological mother um but they were all adopted and then they Mm. meet at the beginning of the book and basically sort of i mean it's a book about family and you know all three of their families and kind of the three of them learning to be a family and it's wonderful um or nonfiction? it's it's fiction Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. I loved it. Um, a, a nonfiction book that 
cracked me up but is also very touching is called We're Never Meeting in Real Life. It's by Samantha Irby. It like there were few parts where I laughed so hard that I almost passed out. Um, But it's (laughs) and it's a collection of essays, which are usually not a thing that I read a lot of. But so many people told me this book was so funny that I read it and I just loved it completely. Oh, that sounds perfect. I love it. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. But yeah, yeah. I love, I do, re- if it's really funny, I'll do really short stories. Because yes. Yeah. It's worth it for a good laugh. And then one of the best books that I've read in like the past 10 years was Homegoing, um, which is just a stunning book that is basically, it, it starts in, in Africa um, where it's, two half sisters that are basically torn apart and then it follows their descendants. One of, one of the sisters gets um, sold into slavery and one doesn't. And it follows their descendants generation after generation ending up in present day America. And it is just a stunning book. I loved every moment of it. I recommend that book. I recommend to everyone. Oh, wow. That I just got cold chills. here. Yeah. It's amazing. That's such a huge undertaking and to make it a good story. I mean, yeah, readable and that you want to um, share that with people. That sounds amazing. Um, What's something you've been reading lately? Or do you have time with all your podcast interviews? Reading is something (laughs) that I always make time for. I think I've realized that if I don't read for a little while at the end of every day, it's just like my way of cooling down for the day, I think. Um, and so I, uh, one of my, the first books that I read this year was called Little and Lion. Um, it's, uh, a young adult book set in LA about, um, a, again, uh, I guess on a sort of family theme, but, um, it's about, uh, two, basically, a um, step, uh, family. It's about a, a girl and her um, not quite stepbrother. Their parents have been together for a long time. They have considered themselves siblings since they were, I think she was five and he was seven. Um, she's black and he's white and they've grown up as a family. And then like about the year before the book started, there was kind of a big eruption in the family. She went away to boarding school and it's the summer that she comes home to kind of figure out what's happening with their family. And it's just a really wonderful story. I loved it. That sounds really good too. And you said it was YA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it sounds like you read um, lots of genres. Is there a I, genre that you I do. prefer? I, or? I, I tend to, I read a lot of romance, obviously. Um, and I, I mean, I read a lot lately, actually, in the past year, I've been reading a lot of mysteries, which has been really fun, too. I've gone through, like, I think in the past six months, I've read, like, 20 Agatha Christie books, which has been great. My library has, like, almost all of them in ebook, which makes it very easy. Um, And a lot of her books are really short, so I can, like, read one in two days. Um, And then I read a lot of, like, literary fiction, some nonfiction. I was a history major in college, and I still love history so I um, tend to dive into like a big nonfiction book every once in a while Um, but I like kind of jumping around a little because it really lets me see what else is out there um, what other writers are doing 
Um, and I just, I mean, I love books and I love reading, so it's fun to, to read a bunch of different kind of stuff. Is there a book or genre that you think people would be surprised that you like? Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's surprising or not. I mean, I think, um, I, I, I mean, this probably is not surprising to anyone who has listened to me talk about food, but I also have a million cookbooks. <laughs> um, so, so I do have like a, a big, uh, a big pile of cookbooks on my living room floor. Um, you know, I think we don't that, get cookbook recommendations very often. What's what's like kind of the best ones you've read in the last oh, year? Oh, well, one that I, a new one from last year that I loved. It's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Um, and it is basically like, it, it helps you kind of figure out how to put the building blocks of food together. Um, so it has a lot of like master recipes and then this is how you change it you know, with like, this is a master recipe for this salad. And then here are different ingredients you could add. And here's what happens if you add, you know, lemon juice instead of vinegar or things like that. Um, and it's a really fun book to read and you learn a lot from it. And I like loved that cookbook. I think maybe you missed your calling. You should have also been a chef. <laughs> well, you know, I love to cook, but I am also very disorganized in the kitchen. So I don't think I would be very good at that. <laughs> when I see what chefs sh- cook, they're much neater than I am at all times. Michelle Obama would say that um, as long as you're using fresh vegetables, it's okay to be unorganized. <laughs> yeah, <know. laughs> that's true. Michelle would say that. Just use fresh ingredients and yeah. everything will be okay. So you've also got, after you get done with this uh, wedding date uh, release, you've got another one this year? I do, the proposal. And did I read that that is with same some of the same characters? Yes, that one is date? about Carlos, who is Drew's best friend um, in the wedding date. Very and that... patient, good guy best friend. Yes. Yeah, I liked Carlos. I, I really liked writing Carlos a lot. Um, and it was funny because... I, a lot, like, you know, sort of my first circle who read The Wedding Day were all kind of like, do you get, are you going to write about Carlos next? But I didn't, and I wanted to, but I didn't really have a good idea for him. And then I came up with a great idea for him. Um, so yeah, so this, this one is going to be Carlos's book. So I'm really excited about that one too. Is there food in it? There is a lot of food in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I like, I think that that is what you love and that's your voice and, and you should, and that's what makes you, you know, want to come to the page, do it, you know, yeah. put it all in there because uh, lots of women like to eat, especially on dates with cute guys. Exactly. That are also doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you ready for the lightning round, Jasmine? Sure. I'm ready for it. Okay. Uh, it's very stressful difficult time here the lightning round okay dark or milk chocolate oh dark coffee or tea coffee when your phone rings do you answer it usually not how how do you usually waste time on the internet oh you know it's at this point it's sort of a tie between like scrolling mindlessly through twitter and scrolling mindlessly through instagram I resemble that remark. Yeah. (laughs) For your next well-deserved vacation, will it be on the mountains or the beach? Beach. Do you call it soda or pop? Soda. 
Do you on a book cover? Do you prefer abs, forearms, or a chiseled jaw? Oh, forearms. Are you more likely to buy a book cover with abs on it or a beach scene? Oh, definitely beach. And the very important last question. What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? I would never. That's okay. That's good. Thank you so much for coming on Women With Books. I have really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that uh, you don't think that I'm a total weirdo for um, plotting a book with Michelle Obama and Prince Harry as the main characters. Not at all. I love the idea. I can't wait. I just hope they agree. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll be totally into it. I can just see Michelle and Prince Harry reading it aloud now when they visit public schools oh yeah oh yeah i'm sure that's exactly what's gonna happen (laughs) thank you for joining us today if you like this podcast please go to itunes subscribe and leave a review and if you want to share your love of a book with the world you can go to our facebook page and leave a comment or this is the fun part i have an actual phone number in our show notes call leave a message about a book that you love and you want the world to know about and i'll try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast which after all is all about reading and readers this is Lindsay emery on women with books keep reading <laughs>